0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. A couple of announcements just inform you again a little bit of what... Uh, the plan is here. I made mention, I think, Sunday night uh, concerning that on a Wednesday starting in the month of March. Uh, I'm August, rather. March is when this all started. You want to talk about getting caught in time? March is when this all started. So, uh, but nonetheless, we don't want to, no, we don't want to go over. Yeah. Yeah. But in August, on Wednesdays, uh, Sister McGee and I are going to be trading off and on. Uh, on Wednesday, she'll do something that is mainstream, north, uh, uh, more so towards that super church age that's back there in the back of like 11 down to whatever. However, with that being said, I, I, you know, number one, the kids can't get here by themselves. All right. Number two, they sit here through our Wednesday night Bible studies. I think we can set through their service on Wednesdays. Okay. the fact of the matter, there's something that will be said that any of us can take home for our own application of our own lives, regardless at what level the teaching is on. There is always something that we can glean from it. And so uh, starting in August, we'll do that. I'll I'll start us off on the first Wednesday and continue with. our series here, and I'll be continuing that. there will just be a two week lap between each lesson. So that means you just got to remember better. All right. Uh, But then Sister McGee, I'll be trading off of her. Now, in addition to that, and listen, any of this is subject to change in a day. Okay, I think we all live in this world right now and understand that anything the tide can turn in a moment. All right. So that is our plan. That is our plan. And so also along with that, On August the 16th, that is a Sunday, and that is the first Sunday after kids go back to school. All right, they start school on the 13th on a soft open. On the 16th, August the 16th, that Sunday, we will come back in here for Sunday morning service, be in-house. So you'll be able to then start August the 16th, be in-house on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Okay? With that being said, Sunday morning, there will still be no Sunday school classes in the back for that super church age. Okay? Um, Their ability to refrain that six distance, I think, would be a little bit more difficult than it is for us. Okay? And so I'm going to allow them to go to school for a while because they're going to have some uh, rules and regulations that they're going to have to abide by there, and the school's going to help me teach what my kids need to do back here. And I'm not saying that in, a, in a, a negative or in any way or like we couldn't do it. But whenever they already have that a part of a system of their life, then it'll be easier for them maybe to apply that back here. So they'll still be out here. All right. However, Brother Alex's age group of the 12 and on up to college and career, I think that they are old enough that they might be able to understand you need to stay out of each other's space. And see, as a pastor, at least I'm making that decision, okay? And so I'm still going to allow them to have class, social distance, and uh, Brother Alex is leaving it up to the parents of those children about whether or not they wear a mask or don't wear a mask over in that room. So that's left up to them. So that's your prerogative. No one's going to look down upon you if you do or if you don't. It's your prerogative as a parent to set that for your child, okay? And so with this, this still allows them to have something. Wednesday nights with Sister McGee, have something. Okay, and so we're just kind of navigating these waters Again, all of this might fall through the toilet tomorrow And there could be regulations that happen that we got to back up Or if anything were to take place within our own church family That I deemed, you know what, we need to pull back here, pull back there So on and so forth, I would do so And just pray that you give me the latitude to make that type of decision So, has everybody got? Then what we have here all right, every other Wednesday starting in August between me and Sister McGee for the Super Church Age. And then we'll be here in Sunday morning, starting August the 16th as well, uh, along with Brother Alex Mason having his class like they normally, uh, during the normal time that they normal, normally had that with the option to or not to wear a mask lift up to the parents. Amen. You all just say, I'm not doing, if anybody, if, you, if anybody has any question, you're like, oh, you should have heard what he said. This is what's going to happen. You just refer them to this this uh, uh, video right here, live stream, and they'll be able to find that. Brother Alex, we might even, and Brother Alex, you might be able to, if you, you could help me, you could probably snip this little portion out of that video and make it a separate video even for me, couldn't you? And so we'll do something like that for those that may need to know. All right? Amen? All right, are your your legs starting to hurt because you've been standing for a while? All right, let's turn to John chapter number 5. John chapter number 5. Amen. And I'm going to start reading with verse number 17. And here of late, our readings have, you know, by some standards may be a little lengthy. And so I'll read a little bit and I'll let you be seated and I'll continue reading. All right? Amen. But we're going to start in John chapter number 5 and uh, verse number Verse number 17, verse number 17, the Bible says, but Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, so now Jesus is about ready to start this long discourse you know he's like one of those people. Is he going to take a breath? And no one else is saying anything. Just Jesus going. All right. Verily, verily, anytime you see Jesus say verily, verily, it is important. Okay, he's drawing importance to something. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son and sheweth him all things that himself doeth, and he will shew him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. I'll stop right there and we'll pray. I want to talk to you tonight about the Father's will is the Son's work. The Father's will is the Son's work. And uh, we'll pray here tonight. And, and then we'll continue reading. Lord Jesus I come to you here this evening I pray oh God that you would help our understanding, our hearts, our minds us, to Lord Jesus to your word. I pray oh Lord this evening God for in these Lord scriptures. God they are those that speak of you Lord. God from the law and the prophets Lord God even into the New Testament they are those which speak of you. I pray oh Lord tonight. God speak and minister to us Lord through your word and we'll not fail to thank you, Lord God, for what you share, God. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Continuing on here. And you notice in this particular section, there's a lot of this father-son language. That's taking place here. Start continuing with verse number 24. Verily, verily, Jesus says, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Verse 30, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is Just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. There we go. Yeah. Man, I thought about going to 47, you know, for tonight. Yeah, we're not going (laughs) to. That's a pipe dream. It's not happening. Amen. And so the Father's will is the Son's work. Now, we talked about last week concerning. Uh, Jesus healing the man at the pool of Bethesda that had been infirm uh, for 38 years. And Jesus doing this this healing, particularly the day that he did it on the Sabbath, and uh, being that he told the man to take up his bed and walk, and that also coinciding with the Sabbath, stirred up the pot, so to speak, uh, among the Jews and some of the religious leaders. So Jesus has a few strikes against him uh, among the Jews or according to the Jews. His first strike then is this. He healed on the Sabbath and he told a man to take up his bed and walk on the Sabbath. Uh, Not to mention, as a side note, this guy couldn't do it for 38 years of his life, but he could today now that he's healed, but, you know, it's the Sabbath. So Jesus has a strike against him because doing the healing on the Sabbath and telling this man uh, to walk on the Sabbath, take up his bed and walk on the Sabbath. Because remember, there's a lot of things that were contrived from uh, the Old Testament law of keeping the Sabbath holy and not working. They took that not work and they extrapolated from that thing and came up with all types of inventions. Uh, As I said last week, uh, work to them on the Sabbath if a man was carrying a needle in his fabric of his garment. Well, on the Sabbath day, he was working. So they really extrapolated that. But the second strike that was against Jesus was in in verse number 17 where Jesus answered them and he said, my father. What's the big deal? Because oftentimes when a Jew would talk about God as their father, they did it in a collective sense. They would say our father them in the same boat as all the other Jews. But Jesus kind of hones in a little bit more detailed and a little bit more stricter. Rather than just saying, our Father, he said, my Father worketh here too, and I work. And so whenever Jesus said, my Father, that my, that, 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 that single ownership was isolating God solely to Jesus more so than just for the collective Jewish people. And so by this then the jews said that jesus was making himself equal then with god and so here's the setting that we have jesus is doing miracles of course he's doing miracles among the people right and according if we'll remember from last week jesus doing these miracles among the people of uh, the lame walk and the blind eyes being opened the the deaf ears you know coming back in here and him doing all these miracles among the people according to Isaiah 35 we well, remember Isaiah prophesying right he said your god's going to come your god's going to save you here's how you'll know that your god has arrived the lame's going to walk the blind eyes are going to be open the deaf is going to hear And so all of these miracles that Jesus is doing that some, although they are not listed, that were accounted for at the Passover that Nicodemus picked up on and others even like he just did with the man at the pool of Bethesda, which was more of a a public miracle than it was a private one that we've seen up to this point of time. All these miracles were nothing more but the calling card of the Jews God, the person who does these things, he's your God and Jesus is doing these things, right? And so they're having a hard time reconciling what's going on, knowing that they have one God, yet here is this man, Christ Jesus, doing the very things that Isaiah said was indicators of it being their God. And so Jesus is also, we found thus far, he is to a certain degree uh, disrespecting their traditional interpretations, right? About uh, this no work on the Sabbath, these things that they have contrived from the idea of rest and no work of of taking it and really you know uh, making it more than what it was, like the needle in the garment. And so he's 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 disrespecting their traditional interpretations. Again, he elevates the fact that that need supersedes even their mind thinking of traditions. That if there's a healing, then I'm going to do that regardless of what day. He said he said in one place, "What man of if your ox fell down in the pit." Would you not get it out? He says, well, this person has a need. They're in need of healing. And, and he goes on concerning even food of the disciples with the corn and uh, referring back to David in the Old Testament, eating the holy bread because that's all that was there, right? But because of need, it was given to him. And so he's picking away at their traditions. But lastly, among all of this, here he is, according to their estimation, he claims God as his father, in a more intimate way than any of the other Jews would be. Again, he's not saying our father, he's saying my father, right? Because all the Jews, yeah, they're gonna claim God as their father or our father because they're gonna trace their heritage all the way back to Abraham, you know, uh, who. Abraham was the one that God spoke to quite plainly, talking about in him all the nations would be blessed and how that nation kind of, you know, flourished and came about from Abraham being a point of origin, the father, if you will, of the Jews. So yeah, he is our father, just as God has promised. But Jesus is saying, he's my father in a way, not just like that, but even more intimately than that. And so this gets the pot stirred. This stirs everything up. Amen. Because Jesus was in reality referring to his own birth whenever he was telling them that my father worked here too, and so I work. He was referring no doubt to the fact of what we read in Matthew and what we read in Luke and the Gospels, that his, his human mother Mary was overshadowed by the holy ghost or the holy spirit the scripture says and conception took place in her room, her womb and that which was conceived would be called jesus the christ that spirit that overshadowed mary that spirit which god is might i say because we understand that god is a god is spirit according to his conversation he had with the Samaritan woman, right? And so that spirit which God is, is the father then of Jesus Christ. So when he says my father works, he says that in a more intimate way than just saying our father. He's not just tracing a heritage back through Abraham. He has a heritage that comes from heaven and earth. Hmm. Hmm. I feel the Holy Ghost already. And so the Jews saw Jesus as someone who was just attempting to make himself equal to their God, right? Because everything it seems like Jesus did or Jesus accomplished was something that the Jews knew. According to the scriptures and to the law and to the prophets, everything that Jesus did and accomplished is things that they knew that the scripture said that God did or would accomplish. And so when we begin to understand this and understand the Jewish people and still are today as they were then, the Jewish people are monotheistic. They believe in one God, one indivisible God. God. And so with that type of mindset of being monotheistic people, all the way back in the very beginning of the Bible forward, monotheistic. You know, God knows no other God. He knows none beside Him. He did everything alone by Himself. We have all those terminology, amen, that that declares Him as one God. As a matter of fact, there are over 3,000 verses of Scripture that allude or state right out concerning the oneness of our God. And so the Jews with that as their heritage when they see Jesus, a man, Jesus, healing the sick, the lame walking, deaf ears being open, which were all indicators that their God had arrived. They're having a hard time reconciling it. We believe in one God, but here is this man accomplishing and doing everything that the prophet said our God would do. They had the misconception that he was trying to pose himself as another God, trying to make himself even equal to their God, instead of understanding that was their God, who was spirit, but manifested himself in the flesh as the man, Christ Jesus. All right. And so uh, all this stuff has taken place. It's like he's doing the works that our God is, should be doing. And that's the reason why you see many times in Scripture and even the way that they uh, engage with him or act toward him, they're acting toward Jesus as an imposter. They're acting toward Jesus almost like a liar or a deceiver, like another false prophet. All right. Oh, he has the signs and all these things, but they cannot get it in their mind that he's not trying to be different. All right. He's not trying to be something equal to separate from and equal to their God. He is their God manifested in the flesh. Amen. He was still that one indivisible God. Amen. What they could not get them to terms with. And Jesus, even through our gospel of John, has already been trying to underwrite. And that people put on their bumpers of their cars of John 3.16. They couldn't come to terms with the fact that their God loved them so much that he would create a body in the womb of a virgin. Hallelujah. Someone say Amen. And be born, in other words, let me say it differently. They couldn't, they couldn't bring to terms that that divine spirit would come down and take on their human nature. Oh, yalolaboshaya. The reason why is because what? Humanity, it's fallible, right? Humanity is fallible. And any other portion and part of humanity would be fallible as long as there was a human mother and a human father. But Jesus is different than any other human that was born because though he had a human mother, he had a heavenly father. Here's the fact of the matter. In real science today, what is it? How many chromosomes is it you give from each parent? Twenty-three? 23, get 23 chromosomes from your mother, 23 chromosomes from your father. That makes you you. (laughs) That's the reason why if your earlobes hang away from your head, I look back at my dad and his does too. There's some genetics, some DNA there. There's certain traits even in mannerisms and different things that you can pick up on. Well, he got (laughs) something from his mama, but he also got some things from his daddy. And we find in the man Christ Jesus characteristics that fit both the divine side and the human side of Jesus Christ. But they could not reconcile in their mind that that divine spirit would come through a virgin womb and take upon their humanity for the purpose of saving them from their sin. Hallelujah! Amen! And so what we... Come to then in John 5, again, because we see a bunch of father and son language here in the Scripture. Let me tell you today, as a Christian, you do not have to be afraid of the father-son language that's presented in the Word of God. All right? Not to be afraid of that at all. For that matter, John, uh, John the Beloved, as he is writing uh, the Gospel of John, you must understand. Whenever John actually writes the Gospel of John, he was writing much later than when the events in these verses of Scripture took place as a matter of fact there's about a 70 year removal of time uh, between when John wrote and when some of these things in John actually took place John has had 70 years as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ to mull these things over in his mind his heart and his spirit but ultimately we must understand according to scripture that when they came forth that John isn't just relaying words but he's relaying meaning that was inspired by the Holy Ghost according to the word Right? Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, help us. And so John has already described to us just, I feel like I'm going to mess up majorly tonight on time. If so, we'll just cut her off and tie it off and go on. John has already been talking to us concerning this father-son relationship. Hmm? This father-son terminology. John has already described in the very first verse of this book of that word that was God. In verse 14 of that word that was manifested in the flesh. That verse number 18 of chapter 1, how the only begotten son declared God, or in other words, revealed God. Because God is a spirit. Can't see God. He's a spirit. Other places in the New Testament and the epistles talk about how Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible. God. Nobody had a concept really about God, but that concept was made real when Jesus showed up. No, they saw God through Jesus, by Jesus. Jesus was the interpretation of God. He declared him. He revealed him. And here's what the scripture says in John 4, 34. This is, again, back in with the Samaritan woman. We take all of John together here, the whole corpus of scripture, for that matter. Jesus said to them, remember, the disciples have come back. They went to a town of Samaria to buy meat. They come back to the Lord, and they say, here, Lord, eat. And what does he say? Verse 34, Jesus said unto them, my meat. Said, no, thanks. What are you talking about? That? Someone come by and give you, you know, a big mac and fries. What's going on? He said, No, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. This is Jesus speaking. And to finish his work. Jesus, it says, My nourishment, what, 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 what feeds me, is doing the will of him that sent me. Who sent him? God sent his son. And if God sent the son, he's the father. The spirit sent the son, the flesh everybody watch me right now, sent the flesh into the world. Galatians 4 and 4 speaks of him, that which was made of a woman, flesh. Amen. So the Spirit sent the flesh into the world, and it was the purpose of Jesus as a man to do the will of his Father, or if you will, do the will of the Spirit. And to finish the work of the Spirit. And that's what we see conveyed in this section of Scripture. Constantly. Amen. Jesus is talking about the Son works because the Father's work. Or the Son has authority or has been given authority because the Father had authority. What's it saying? Basically this. That the Son, the flesh, only accomplished what the Spirit, the Father, wanted accomplished. Amen. Amen. And so when we look at this just a little further, we have this this Father and the Son language in Scripture. And so, again, the thing that the Father, which is Spirit, all right, God is Spirit, the thing that the Father wills, Jesus is saying, the Son is doing. The flesh is doing. That is why whenever Jesus comes out of the gate again in verse number 17 of our Scripture text tonight, he says, the Father worketh. He's saying the Spirit works. That's what he's saying. He says, "Hereunto I work. And so the flesh is going to work. Because the spirit has a will to do something. Amen. But that God is in Christ. That God was manifested in the flesh. Amen. Because look what we see here. The, 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 the flesh can will at different times. Because, again, there are certain times you see Jesus, right? He's sleeping on a ship. But the same ship he sleeps on when he's awoken with the trouble that's on the sea, he goes to the helm and commands the seas, amen, to calm. As the human child of Mary, he slept on the ship. But as the divine child of God, he called order back to nature. Why did Jesus do that at the helm? Because the spirit, woo, The Father wanted to bring calm to the storm. So Jesus finished the will of the Spirit by saying, peace be still. Amen. Someone say amen? Amen. Amen. And so we see this through the life of Jesus. Jesus' flesh, His flesh was in total submission and obedience to the Spirit, to the Father. And we see that ultimately displayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, finalizing, coming to a full, if you will, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking? look, culmination at Calvary. What we have, yeah, in the Garden. Oh, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Father, Father. Oh, here's a man, here's a man, Christ Jesus, praying to God. Yes, but even more importantly, God was in Christ, and so he's toiling the flesh between the spirit and the spirit between the flesh. He says, Lord, I know my purpose for coming was so that this flesh would carry out and accomplish what the will of the spirit was. Right now, I'm just having a little hard time on the human side with this, but nonetheless, what your spirit wants, the flesh will go through with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. And we see the culmination of that on Calvary. I mean, nails, blood, thorns, spear through the side, all of that. Amen. He wouldn't have to. He even said in the garden. He said, I could call uh, 10,000 legions of angels to deliver, to bring them into all this mess. But the Spirit has a will. And so me as the man Christ Jesus, this flesh has to go and complete and bring to accomplishment what the Spirit is desiring to be done. Amen. Amen. So you see this language then in this section of Scripture. Man, I am so behind. Look at verse 19. So so after he says that, that's when the Jews, you know, come up, man. He's healing on the Sabbath, and uh, he says, My Father, and uh, he's making himself equal with, with God. Verse 19, you look what Jesus says unto them, the verily, verily. Here he goes. He said the son can do, and I I might be more of a verse by verse here thing a little bit night. Forgive me. The son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the son likewise. (laughs) Amen. So the son does what the father does. All right. Said differently, the flesh was subject to the spirit. The flesh did what the spirit done or wanted done. The flesh, and it's my title tonight, that the son's work is because of the father's will. Or the father's will, amen, is the son's work. So if you saw, here we go. If you saw, just as we just seen in the earlier verses of chapter number five. If you saw the man Christ Jesus cause a man who had been unable to walk for 38 years to pick up his bed and walk, then know this, the Spirit must have wanted that done. Someone say amen. The Spirit must have wanted that done because what did the Son say? I do nothing. Right? I do nothing. He said the Son can do nothing of Himself. In other words, the fleshly humanity of Jesus couldn't make that man walk however much the humanity side wanted him to. But since the spirit that indwelt that man wanted it, the flesh could respond and bring about the will of the spirit. Amen. So this man gets up and walks. I'll tell you right now, that isn't the flesh. That is the spirit of Of God, that is the Father that's willed it and the Son is carrying it out. The work you saw the flesh do was the work of the Spirit. The work of the Father through the Son. He says, He works, I work. Everybody all right? Just couldn't do any of that if the Spirit did not work through Him. Verse number 20, for the Father loveth the Son and sheweth Him all things, That himself doeth. And he will shew him greater works than these. That ye may marvel. Oh Jews. If you think blind eyes being open. And deaf hearing. And lame walking is something. You've not even seen anything yet. Because the father loveth the son. The spirit loves. This flesh that he is embodied in. For one. It is the. Only begotten son. Can I say it like this? This is the only flesh that God has. Someone hear me right now. It's the only flesh. Let me even get just cut just a little tighter here. It's the only person that God has. Amen. It's the only flesh that God has definitely the only one that revealed him and declared him and interpreted him just by being born into this world. The son was the gift that he would give to the world, right? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God given Jesus to the world, given that humanity that flesh unto the world was his illustration that he loved the world because what other being do you know in all of creation or anybody for that matter that has such a magnitude of authority and power would lower themselves as the people they're trying to save to show them that they love them does that really underscore power and authority becoming less you would think it would be becoming more but he became less so that you and I could become more. Hallelujah. So he, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible tells us there in John 3:16 and 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but his son into the world that the world through him might be saved. <laughs> God loves the Son. That Spirit loves that flesh because that flesh, apart, of course, from being, it's not a Spirit. That flesh had blood in it that a Spirit doesn't have in it. Spirit has not flesh and blood. That's in the Word of God. That body, that flesh had in it What a spirit doesn't have in it. It had blood. Yet, the requirement from Old Testament law to Leviticus, through the sacrificial system, even up into the New Testament, is that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, there is no removal of sins. The body, the flesh of Jesus Christ, provided the blood that was necessary woo, in order to remove and remit the sin of the world. See, the blood of goats and bulls would not do it. they supposed to be all perfect and everything. They looked over them with a fine-toothed eye, but it didn't matter what animal was created upon the earth. None of them were absolutely perfect and without flaw. But whenever this... Child, Christ Jesus was born. And he had humanity from his mama. But everything was sanctified by his heavenly father because he had a heavenly daddy. That was the perfect lamb of God. That was to come as even John said, Behold the lamb which taketh away the sins of the world. Why? Because that flesh, that body had the blood that was necessary to remit the sin. So yes, the spirit loves that flesh because that flesh, whoo, Had the blood. Oh God. Mm. (laughs) And whenever Jesus went to the cross and was, in essence, sacrificed, when life's blood was shed from that flesh on the tree, according to the world standards, cursed is everybody that's hung up on the tree. It's condemned, right? Right? Cursed is that man. But him hanging on that tree and dying really satisfied the requirement of God. He needed a sacrifice. And he had a bunch all the way from the Old Testament law going forward. But none of them was enough. And so it had to happen every year. Another sacrifice for that idea daily. People brought sacrifices for their sins unto the Lord. You... Listen to me for a moment. Do you want to know how ingrained this sin problem was in the world? Because people brought uh, sacrifices for their sin or for their transgression. A transgression offering, a sin offering, came by sacrifice, an animal sacrifice. Listen to me. Whenever God split up the tribes of Israel, when they entered into the promised land, the tribe of Levi did not receive any allotment of land. All right? Their portion was the Lord. All right? He was going to take care of them. Listen to me. The only way that the Levites would eat from day to day, are you listening to me? They got a portion of what sacrifices were made. If there were no sacrifices on a given day, they didn't eat. The sin problem was so secure and could be depended upon that God says, I don't have to give Levi anything because there will always be a sacrifice coming to the house of God to take care of the sins of the people. The sin problem is so deep that Levi's going to be taken care of because the people's always going to keep sinning. But Jesus Christ, that flesh, entered into that place once. The Bible says and only once. And offered himself. Yes, yes, yes. And it took care of the sins of the world from the beginning of time, present time, and time still yet in the future. He took care of the sin issue. So, yes, the Father, the Spirit loves the flesh, the Son. Right, yeah. Amen. Woo. The Son, absolutely. Man, I wish I had a whole lot of time to talk to you for about three hours today. But there, are in so many regards. The son accomplished the will of what the spirit wanted accomplished. Amen. So not only will. As a result of this love that the, the, the the flesh has for the spirit that the father has for the son. Not only will that spirit or that father share with his son the things like opening blind eyes and letting the deaf hear and the lame walk, but. We even see it alluded to in our section of scripture. He says there are going to be even greater things than this that's going to happen that you're all going to marvel at. It's not just going to be healing the body. What we see before it's all said and done in the gospels. Jesus is calling dead people back to life. Hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. We got to run to So there's just a there's a couple concepts here. And I don't know. I'm. I'm forecasting I'm probably not going to get through this lesson, all right? I had high hopes, but there are a couple concepts here leading on from verse number 20. 21 and on to like verse 30. There's a couple concepts here that are touched upon by Jesus in his discourse. And he kind of almost alternates a little bit back and forth between the two. At one time, he's talking about raising the dead and resurrection. And then at the other time, he's talking about judgment. And he kind of bounces back and forth between these two, talking about raising the dead, resurrection, and also talking about judgment. And so just for the purposes. Now, listen, again, he bounces back and forth a little bit. Some of the verses have some overlap kind of have hints and hues of both resurrection and judgment spoken in them. But for the sake of our study tonight, I've tried to pull pull the the division out of what talks about uh, raising the dead and resurrection from those that talk about judgment. Okay? As a matter of fact, whenever you're talking about raising the dead, there's almost some subtopics under there. Because there is a raising, if you will, of the dead or a resurrection of our literal lives. But there is a resurrection, too, of our spiritual lives. Amen. Is everybody doing all right? Are you bleeding out your ears? Is your brain just bursting already? (laughs) That's good. Amen. (laughs) Haven't you just ever got a meal and although you couldn't eat it all, it was like, man, that was good. And you took the leftovers. home. (laughs) Okay. Hallelujah. And so pulling away this first group of verses. Uh, concerning raising the dead or resur- resurrection, they're kind of together. And, and if you're okay with it, I'm just going to read through them, okay, for us here tonight. For instance, John 5:21. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Verse number 24. Now, 24, you'll see in a little bit, is one of those that 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 kind of uh, involve both categories. And I'll explain that later. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that be- heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Going on with verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they and they that hear shall live, for as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Skipping down to verse 28, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grace shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, and they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and that they have done evil unto the resurrection of damn. Nation, And so those are those that I kind of pull aside concerning the raising of the dead, resurrection type of category. Because here's the fact of the matter. And you look at this in verses 28 and 29. But the fact of the matter is this. Everyone who literally dies will be raised from the dead eventually. Okay? Everybody. Everybody who dies. Now, if you take place upon, if rapture takes place upon this earth, and the dead in Christ rise first, and then you which have Christ as well, are alive and remain and go with him, then you'll never see that death. But if you literally die in this world, saved or unsaved, good or evil, you will eventually be raised from the dead. Okay? Because those that are described here in the Scripture, they're explained also in the book of Daniel as well, it explains those who have been resurrected, those that who have, as it describes it here, those who have done good will be unto resurrection of life. That's rapture. That's rapture. That's the calling of the church. If that spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. All right. That spirit, of course, is the spirit of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Ghost. It'll quicken your mortal body on rapture day. And you'll, you'll come out of the ground if you're dead. You'll come out of the ground, and it's a resurrection of life. But the Bible also speaks of here in verse number 29, and it speaks of this also in, in the book of Daniel, that there will be a resurrection. Those who have done evil, it says, unto the resurrection of damnation. Those who have done evil, put it simply, those who have not the spirit of Christ, all right, will arise and resurrect unto the resurrection of damnation. Now, I don't. I wish I could go back and teach everything I ever taught to you about all of this, but I have learned that I cannot be so exhaustive sometimes in my steadies. I will never get anywhere. My wife's saying, right, all right. But the first resurrection of rapture, And what is known as the second resurrection happens at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. The second resurrection are those that resurrect for the sake of their judgment. They have done wrong. That's the reason why they're in the second resurrection. They have done wrong. They're going to be cast into hell, but they're going to even have the second death come upon them that the Bible speaks of in the book of Revelation is where the hell is thrown into the lake of fire. All right. You can read that in Revelation chapter number 20. It's where death and hell are thrown into the lake of fire. All right? And so, with all that being said, you die. You're going to resurrect sometime. Now, how you live your life depends which resurrection you are going in. Huh? The Spirit of Christ being in you or not in you depends upon the first resurrection or the second uh, unto life or unto damnation. Everyone say, okay? So, you understand that. God, according to the word, of course, he raised people from the dead. Amen. Absolutely. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 39. I'm going to have to find some neat landing spot somewhere. But Deuteronomy 32 and verse 39, it says, See now that I, even I, am he. There is no God with me. Here is that aloneness, that singularity, all right? No, God, with me, I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. He makes alive. He does, has the ability to do so. But we also see, as he did that in the Old Testament, his desire to still do that came on into the New Testament. But now he had an instrument through which he wanted it to do. The flesh, the Son, Jesus Christ. What do we read just a little later in John? Jesus is standing somewhere having a conversation with a sister of someone who is dead. Lazarus is dead in the grave. It's been, what, four days? Surely he stinketh, Lord. And Martha begins to talk to the Lord. Oh, he's telling her, he said, don't worry, Martha, he's going to rise again. I know he'll rise in the resurrection. Amen, right? This is Lazarus literally dead. I know, I know, Lord, he'll rise in the resurrection. What was Jesus' response to her? I am the resurrection and the life. Look, this Jesus said that. We have precedents old test scripture. God raised the dead. But Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Here it is. What the Spirit, what the Father is willing, the Son's going to work and accomplish. He goes out to the grave, he has the people move the stone away, and this is what he basically tells Martha. You can read it for yourself in John 11. He tells Martha, he said, I, 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 Martha, I told you that if you would believe, you will see, look at it very closely here now, you would see the glory, not of the sun. He said, you would see the glory of God <laughs> Whenever he calls Lazarus forth, that's not pinning anything on the lapel of Jesus. That's for the glory of his father. Because it originated with him. Oh yeah, the flesh is just carrying out the work of the will of the spirit. He said, you would see the glory of the Father. On the, on the surface, folks, the people, on the surface, real life, on the surface, people would see Jesus standing there, the man Christ Jesus saying, Lazarus, come forth. But Jesus is underscoring, I can't do that unless the Father wills it. Did you did it? I can't do that unless the Father wills it. And since the Spirit wills it, he said, i do it. Look at John 5, verse 24. Okay, I see it, guys. I see it. About ready to go red on me. I see it. Amen. They're not doing anything. I was just talking to the timer. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, Jesus says, and believeth on him that sent me, hath, everybody say hath, Everlasting life. And shall not be come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Here's something we must understand about Jesus. Jesus gives life in this world and in the one to come. He says, whoever hears Jesus, dead or alive, literally, (laughs) shall live. He says, if one hears my words and believes on him, all right, who sent me, hath everlasting life. So here we are. We're not just talking about resurrection in a literal sense. We're talking about resurrection in a spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, because if you, be- if you believe on him that sent me, you believe my words. He says, you have. That's right now. Not that you'll have. No, no, you have right now, present tense, you'll have everlasting life. It's right now here in the present. Now, what do we, oh, just just hear the words of Jesus and believe in him that sent me. Again, let's take the whole corpus of scripture. But I I lean on a a scholar right now. D.A. Carson says this concerning hearing here in verse number 24. He says, hearing in this context is, as often elsewhere, includes belief and obedience. See, we think of hearing as just acknowledging, you know, words came in, heard them, understood them. But hearing in the scripture in these contexts is is not just hearing words, it's believing them and obeying them. That's a big difference. Amen. And so when we hear his words, as contextually spoken here for in the Greek, so when we hear, believe, and obey, His words, as the scripture said, and let me impart then, according to the word, experience being born again, of water and spirit, as Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. We have everlasting life. In that moment, spiritually, something has taken place. You've went from death to life. Oh, brother McGee, yeah, because here's the amazing thing, brother and sister Trout. When we were all born of our mother's womb, I know this is going to seem a real weird statement here. We were born dead. We're talking spiritual now. We were born dead. We have in scripture, it tells us over and over, I'll share a few verses and I'll find that landing point. Over and over in the Bible, it talks about how we are dead in sins. All right? Ephesians 2 and 1. And you. He said to the church at Ephesus, hath he quickened, I like that word because it's used here in John as well, talking about who, God, who the father quickens, the son quickens, all right? And you he hath quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Skip down to verse number five. He says, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Colossians 2 and verse number 13, and you being dead, in sins and the circumcision of your the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So ever since Adam and Eve and the flaw and the transgression in the garden, men and women have been born into sin, and in that mode, spiritually, we were born dead. <laughs> but Christ Jesus has a means that if you will hear, believe, and obey his words. And the one who sent him, the Spirit, he can take you from death in your sins to life in him. Someone say amen. We're dead in our sins. We were, We let me tell you, we were in Egyptian bondage and as good as dead as being a firstborn of the family. But because the lamb was slain, And someone said, I'm not just going to let the blood of the lamb lay on the lamb. I'm going to apply the blood from the lamb to my doorpost. And to my lentil so that when the death angel comes by it's going to keep on going because it sees the blood folks it's nonetheless here the lamb has been slain but through your hearing obedience and belief and what's been said in that spirit you've taken the blood of the slain lamb of god and applied it to the door host of your house the door of your house and therefore you pass from death to life in Christ Jesus all right let's stand I could go on. I'm telling you, I could, we could do this. I could do this for a long time. But I know people have to work tomorrow and things like that. And be mindful. Amen of that. But see, that might just, you know, just be enough to say, you know, I want to come back and see what else. You, have to say. you know, so again, folks, do not be afraid of this father son language. Understand the dual nature of Christ Jesus. Understand that that father spirit side, that son flesh side. All right. Amen. We'll pray here tonight. Hallelujah. God, I love you. Lord, I appreciate you. Oh, Lord, help us tonight. God, as we go our separate ways, let some of these things resound in our ears and our hearts. God, let this people even go back. Lord, read over, Lord, these verses of Scripture. Lord, I've touched on over and again. Lord, trace, if you will, the trajectory, Lord Jesus, of the revelation and thought pattern of Scripture. Lord, to come, Lord, to terms, God, with the revelation in their own reality. I pray, oh, Lord, tonight, God, I love you. I thank you. Be with your people this week. I pray, God, for your safe hand of protection upon their homes, family, and health. I pray, oh, God, today, Lord, be with them. Strengthen them in the name of jesus christ i pray amen the church say amen hallelujah pew at a time start at the back work your way front god bless you in jesus name amen thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you